0: So a quick recap from February. Uh, So Tim preached uh, on worship. He took two weeks uh, talking about worship and challenged us to pause and reflect on who God is. When we meditate on who God is, our response is to be in awe and to worship him. And then remember his application was he gave us these colorful index cards and encouraged us to note moments of worship throughout our week that was encouraging that was good I hope you all did that and then the following week the application as he told us that worship is not just in singing but it's in what we do he challenged us to pick a door right the worship door that you as you walk through that door remembering we're going out to worship it's in what we do not just in the singing of songs, and so I was encouraged by that, and then Jack Elwood came last week and spoke on discipleship from 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, that we're soldiers, like a soldier, farmer, athlete, that we're to keep the main things the main things, to invest in people, eternal souls, um, even when people may be messy, and remember the end of Jack's Elwood's sermon, he gave us the dismissal, like soldiers, which is like, we send people here, we don't dismiss them, but Jack dismissed us, because we're soldiers, right? And so I was encouraged by all that, and so I'm the final week um, of February, and we're going to talk about outreach, evangelism, and so, oh boy, uh, so my, the title of my message, I'm, I'm saying Stewards of the Gospel, okay, that we're stewards of the gospel, and so before I even get into this, I, I will confess that I don't have this all figured out. I've been so encouraged these past few, few and challenged by Jack Elwood, by Tim, and I've been challenged by God's word and getting ready for this. Honestly, it's been um, convicting. So I'm I'm right there with you. So um, we're, I'm preaching to myself as much as to you all. Um so I'm going to follow in Jack Elwood's footsteps and we're going to keep a focus on the apostle Paul. Only we're going to look at a passage in Romans. But before we do that, let me just define what what is the gospel? I feel like this whole message so far, our worship, communion, that has been a beautiful presentation of the gospel. Um I, I'm I'm humbled that I'm up here. Um, I feel like it's been so clear. Um, But John 3.16 also says, for God so loved the world, we sang about it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so again, this idea that out of love, God came to rescue us. We were separated from, from God, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins, and yet God, why we were still sinners, because he loved us, stepped in and gave his life for us that we could be free of sin, that we can now walk and follow him as his disciple, laying our lives down in obedience to him because he is worth that, amen? So that's the gospel, so now we're to be stewards of the gospel. And that's where we get into Romans 1, 14 through 17. So this is our text. So I am going to have you all stand as we read um, from Romans. It says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that your spirit would just be at work, um, that you would use your word to cut into our hearts, uh, to cut away at selfishness, uh, to cut away at our own flesh, so that we could be refined and look more like you. God, I pray that you would do this work through your word, through your spirit, in each one of us. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So um, probably my junior year in high school, uh, I had a friend who was on a soccer team and he convinced me to come join the team and, and be part. The, this was a, a small school and they really needed players pretty desperately. Um, and uh, so I love playing any sports. And I was like, sure, I'll come and, and play soccer with you. And Um, but when I got there, I realized that this was serious, like, this was like, they were, I mean, playing other schools, and it was an intense game of soccer, and I had never, I played soccer when I was like 10 on a team, and so I wasn't really aware of the subbing in and subbing out and all this, I remember getting subbed in and to midfield, and kind of like, I'm just going for the ball, man, I'm just like, didn't have any strategy, I was just going for it, and then they subbed me out, and um, that whole subbing situation was kind of confusing in and of itself. So I was it was probably still the first quarter of the game. I think it's half, but anyway, first quarter of the game, and the goalie of our team was running out to, like, block and kind of trap a ball, and he got kicked in the leg and broke his leg. Yeah, it was... Dramatic. So ambulance came out onto the field, they put him in the ambulance, they went to the ER, and the coach kind of turned to the team, I'm like, just showed up, you know, and he's like, okay, who can play goalie? And everyone's kind of just looking down, and, and like football and baseball were my sports, so I was like, well, I can catch things, like, I, I feel like I could, I could probably do that, and he was like, all right, you're in. <laughs> So I was like, okay. So I took the sweaty gloves off the guy that just broke his leg and put put them on my, and I, I, I took the sweaty jersey, the keeper jersey, because the keeper, that's the way, the cool way of saying it, not the goalie, the keeper has, like, their own special jersey. And I put that on, and I got in the goal, and I mean, by God's grace, it was an amazing game. I'm not going to lie. Like, I... They were like, who is this guy? It's like, I play football and baseball. You know, I know angles, I guess. Um, So we won, and they were like, you have to come back for the next game. Like, you have to come back. Um, The next game, we did not win. It did not go well. (laughs) But anyways, for anyone, so, you know, I read that passage. For anyone who is a born-again believer, we got to remember, we identify, we, we are part of a team. You've been given the jerseys, you've been given the gloves or whatever position you play. And this is what we do because it's who we are, amen? It's what we do because it's who we are. And so this morning, as we dive into this text, I wanna pull out three words that I know these are the words that stood out to you as I read through this. Um, And this is what we're going to unpack. So first word is under obligation. And so I know that's two words, so (laughs) sorry. But in Greek, it's probably one word, I'm pretty sure. Um, Paul says he is under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and the foolish. So the obligation for me in studying for this, this was the most convicting part in working through this. I'll be honest. This was the big and is the big thorn poking into my conscience as a believer. I don't like being obligated to do things. Um, I don't like feeling the pressure. So the questions as I'm studying this start creeping into me. Um, and questions like, well, are we really called to the same field as Paul? I mean, he's kind of a super Christian here. What, what exactly is my obligation? Is it like just Percival or, well, Virginia seems kind of big. Okay, the world, I can, it's like, can we set up some boundaries here? That, that's kind of my own flesh was trying to, you know, finagle this into softening the obligation and that's when God really convicted me. When He said, "You know, you are trying to set up these boundaries and draw lines." When Paul says he's obligated to the wise and the foolish, the Greek and the barbarian, as a way—that's the two extremes—as a way to cast off the lines and the boundaries. Like, no, don't go there. And then the other thing God convicted me with is I I was trying to ask the same question as that guy who came to Jesus and Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like trying to justify himself and he's like, give me some boundaries here. Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus then gives the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan who basically the point of that parable was Your neighbor is whoever God places in your path, regardless of race, geography, wealth, or status. Like, stop trying to draw the lines. You're under, you're part of the team. You got the jersey on. Stay in the goal. So, maybe we need to see this obligation not as a burden, but as a blessing that we would have this obligation to obtain fruit in whatever context we're in. So stop pretending that it's not there and let us let it bring us to our knees in prayer. See that rhyme there? Um, I didn't realize I was rhyming until like later. But stop pretending the obligation is not there and let it bring you to your knees in prayer. So when we view it through this lens of, actually, this is a huge blessing. God wants us to participate and enjoy the blessing of seeing people come to Christ. There's no greater joy. It is a huge blessing. He wants us to experience that. And so he puts us under, he says, stand goal. I mean, it's a good thing that he gives us this. And so that's really what Paul thought as well, um, because immediately after saying this, he says, "So I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome." That's the second word, and this is one word: um, eager or eager to preach. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in uh, you also who are in Rome. So this is Paul, and this I think just shows Paul's heart. He wants to keep the main things the main thing, and he is eager to get right to it. It's not. This is not Paul flexing on the, the Roman church, like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm eager to preach. I'm such a super preacher. No, he's just excited. He's trying to come alongside. He's trying to help them see and be inspired that Rome the church in Rome and, and the, the city of Rome, which was like the capital mega city, kind of intimidating, that Rome is not off limits. That's the message that he's trying to communicate with his eagerness to preach, that the gospel is not off limits even to the city of Rome. Um, this is affirming. It's inspiring. So imagine now that Paul was writing to Blue Ridge Bible Church. And he says, I'm eager to come alongside you and preach the gospel. This is not a guilt or shame thing. It's just, I'm excited to come and share the gospel and see what God does here. Percival is not off limits for the gospel. DC is not too lost. Your home is not off limits for the gospel. Your workplace—they may have some policies, um, but it's not off limits. And and Paul is is encouraging the people in Rome that listen. This city is messed up, and it's intimidating, and they have a lot of pride and power and all this stuff. But you know what? I'm eager to come. I'm eager to give this message a voice, to give the gospel a voice. And so again, wherever we are, be wise, pray relentlessly, but take the opportunities to give voice to the gospel. So I remember uh, before I worked for the church, I was working for a research firm and like in a sweet cubicle. It was the best cubicle ever, Um, just putting research reports together and just building relationships with my coworkers and um, God was, I mean, awesome, just working in my heart and really giving me a burden, not in a guilt, shame kind of way, but just, man, I really want to like, be able to share the gospel with these people. So I was praying for them, praying for a couple people in particular, um, because I could see, okay, maybe they're kind of ripe for this. And so I was just praying, and, and so I'd been working there for a while And I overheard a conversation in cubicles over, and God was like, you should go over there. And I was like, "Um, okay. Uh, So I did, and I was able to just have a spiritual conversation. Um, I was a little bit made fun of, but that was okay, um, because the fruit of that was actually I was able to get lunch with the guy. I was able to actually go through the whole gospel conversation, um, and And then we were able to message on Facebook. And and just the fruit of obedience. And, and, you know, I look back, it wasn't so much that I was eager to jump up out of my cubicle and go to the one next door. But after having that conversation, after breaking the ice, I became eager to share with the guy. Like, hey, I was just reading this. And he was open to receiving. And, And that became really cool. He's still, I don't think, a believer. But those seeds have been planted. Amen. We, you can voice, be a voice to the gospel in every space, in the spaces you are in. There's no off limits there. But that leads us kind of to the last piece of the word puzzle here. And the last word is unashamed. Paul says in uh, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So note here, I am unashamed. I am not ashamed. There's no shame. I love that. And and he doesn't feel shame. He doesn't feel foolish because he believes the gospel message. He's not ashamed because he lives this message. He depends on this message day by day. Paul is proclaiming it, but he's also living and walking in it. And there's power. He's experiencing the power for himself. And this message is the very thing the Lord uses to bring salvation. It's, it's like the channel through which people can actually come and receive salvation. I, I love the psalm that Tom read to us. It's like the person was in the pit and God rescued him out of the pit, set his feet on solid ground, and then gave him a song. And then others see it and hear the song. And then others then come. They fear. They're convicted of their sin. And then they believe. That's, that's, that's how we embody the message is we believe we were in the pit. We were like Jack mentioned, there are not good guys and bad guys. We were all in the pit and we were brought out of the pit. And now we just sing, we proclaim, we're thankful to God for what he's done. That, when we start to embody that, we, we begin to believe that and live it in our homes. We begin to explain what sin is to our kids as we see it, as allow God's Holy Spirit to convict us when there's sin in our own heart. And we repent, we confess it. Christian, we have to believe this. We have to live this and that is what makes it more natural to just overflow. It's our song as we bump into unbelievers. It's, we got to get out of this, I think, mentality of like, okay, I'm a Christian over here, and then, oh, man, I'm around unbelievers, and now I got to, I'm under. It's like you, you're preaching the gospel over here in the church, and you're just like you're preaching the gospel outside in the workplace at school you guys, all right, yeah, we're, we're together on that. Um, so another story, um, we, I started teaching through the Gospel of John uh, for a youth group just this past year, started, I think, in January, and you know, I always, I'm a pastor, so I believe this message, obviously, I've preached several times, and I firmly and always have believed but going through the gospel of John just this past year it it has been so encouraging because one of the big takeaways for me that I've seen in this gospel is that is the reminder that Jesus Christ didn't just come and die to take away my sins he did that but he really he is for everyone this message is for all and and i think in today's culture it's kind of like well you have that and you have this and what do you believe what do you oh well that's your truth and that's your truth and and but the truth truth is this message is for everyone it's for all jesus has the power to save us from our sin and give us eternal life and and that is for all and i've become convinced of that and i began again to pray i mean i'm in the church so jack's already a christian tom's already a christian so you know it comes but i began to pray like for some of the delivery guys for the the copy repair man for some of the guy people i was just bumping it like by name learning their names like praying for them in the morning not out of guilt or because i knew i was preaching because i didn't know i was preaching this um but because i was like man this is really for them and so began to pray for them and pray for them. And months later, after having, building a relationship with one of the delivery guys, it came up church. I mean, we were in church, so. Um, but was able to have a gospel conversation. And it was really natural and awesome. And he didn't repent and cry and fall on his knees and give his life to Christ. I wish I had that story. But, but he appreciated it. And he continues to deliver. And we continue to have a conversation. Um, And that's really neat. And so, again, we're unashamed because we believe it and we're living it. And we begin to pray um, and get on our knees and pray. So guilt and shame are not what inspire us to eagerly proclaim the gospel to people around us. Amen. Guilt and shame... Are not what inspire us to eagerly proclaim, and to be unashamed. That that doesn't make sense. For for shame to be the thing that makes you unashamed. No. We're eager because we believe it, because God's changed our lives. Um. So we did. Uh, I took a stu- group of students to uh, Richmond to do a uh, march for life, uh, pro-life uh, advocacy. Uh, really neat time, we had like eight students come, and uh, so anyway, we we were going down to kind of the rally, and there are people kind of passing out signs, you don't have to, you should bring your own sign, but people just hand you signs, so um, like pro-life kind of signs, and the first sign that I walked up to, this guy was handing out, it wasn't a wrong sign or a bad sign, but it was all red square, and it had the word extremist in it, and I was like, uh, pass on that sign. Um, find me another sign. <laughs> um, so again, the sign wasn't wrong, um, but it was. I was like, wait, I had to read it like three times to understand it. Um, so I found a sign that I was like, okay, yes, I, I, I'm for this message. I wanna, I wanna hold this message in my hand. Um, and so I took that, and we kind of. Listen to the different speakers at the rally and we were encouraged and then we began to march and there were so many people, I quickly realized that I had to hold my sign up both as like a message but also because there were, you know, nine other people who could easily get lost and so we had to like recognize where we're going here. Uh, we all had to kind of pay attention to the sign and kind of keep together and keep going and so I, I did. I held the sign the entire time Switched hands, not that strong, um, and it was a way to keep our group together. But you know, I, I turned the sign not to just the other marchers. I kind of tried to phase it to the people in the traffic driving by. And again, it's not you know like there are eight hundred other signs. So, um, but my point in that was I want the people to know that what what this whole group of people is about, um, and and to be encouraged, or. To curse at us, um, we got some of both. You know, it was it was a mixed group. Um, but again, if you're a believer, if you believe this yourself, you are part of this team. In other words, you've been given a sign over you, and it's a good sign. It's a good sign of God's mercy, his love, his grace, but it's also a sign that is convicting to other people. And so just embrace, know that that's the sign that you've been given. And you can, you know, there were times that after the march, I kind of had the sign, and I kind of like curled it up. I was like, okay, we're not marching anymore. And we, we can, we can kind of curl up and and not hold it but listen you have the sign of the gospel it's it's over you Jesus has given it and so we can hold it up not in you know bashing people over the head with it but we hold it up in our homes we remind each other this I need to see your signs I need to see where we're going that we're we're on the team here And so let's not be ashamed of this incredible message that we are under obligation to hold. We have it. It's been given to us. And let's eagerly share it. Let's eagerly give voice to the gospel. Give voice to this message that saves lives from eternal damnation to eternal life. And the struggle is real in between. That is a good sign, man. That's the sign that I want that one. So as we wrap up, because we are wrapping up, I got to make another side observation about the book of Romans as a whole. You know, it's amazing to me and it's a wonder to me That the most extensive exposition of the gospel, Romans, the, the book of Romans, is one big gospel explanation. That was not written like a tract that was handed out to heathens as they passed by in Rome. This gospel was written to the saints in Rome. It was addressed to the saints of Rome. And again, that just underscores the righteous shall live by faith. It's a not once and done. Okay, now I believe and now I'm, I'm good. It's, we have to live this and walk in this. We need the gospel message every day. That's, that's my underline here. We are called to believe it and let it overflow to everyone around us. And so we are under obligation to share it, but we are eager because this obligation is really a blessing, and we are unashamed because we believe it really has the power of salvation for all, every space. It's relevant. Okay, so application. First, I have three applications for you all, and myself as well. First, um, related to the obligation word, um, let's not let this sermon be another opportunity to just feel guilty. That's not what I want out of this, okay? But let's allow it to be the weight that it is, okay? There is a weight. There is a call, And let's let that bring us to our knees. When we feel the obligation, let's not be like, oh, I feel guilty again. God. Like when you feel that burden, see it as a blessing and begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to pray for the people that God's put on your hearts. And so what I'm going to have us do is pull out a pen or if you already have notes out and write down at least one name of someone that God's putting on your heart right now in in the pews or the seats. So there's little kid cards that are super colorful. And so you can use those because we're all children of God, amen? Yeah, okay. So pull that out and write one name and the reason I'm having us actually do this, you know, is because it's, it acts as a reminder. And, and I don't want you to feel guilty, but I want us to feel some of the obligation, the burden. And don't turn that into a weird guilty religious guilt, but let it turn your heart to pray for them, to see how you can care more deeply for them as Jesus cares for them. That's that's what we're doing here, okay? Okay, so we got the name down, right? All right. Um, that's the first application. Second, be eager to give voice to the gospel. You know, as you pray, God will open your eyes to opportunities. Open your eyes to opportunities to give voice, even in the overlooked kind of circumstances. Take those opportunities. Like jump onto them because there's joy to be had in getting in the game and like actually holding up your sign and being a part of this. There's joy to be had. And when we begin to do it, maybe out of obligation at first, we'll begin to see, wow, this is really awesome. You know, God is amazing. Even if he doesn't change that person, he begins to sharpen us and mold us. So be eager to give voice and allow God to convict you of different spaces that you're just like, mm, the gospel's not for them or for that space. And then finally, if you are not a believer, we are under obligation to share the gospel. We're eager because the obligation is really a blessing, and we are unashamed because we really believe it's true. But if that's not you, if you're not believing and are convinced and you aren't convinced it is true or have doubts, I have two things for you. Another hour-long message for one. No, sorry. So one, I'm going to make myself available up here or, yeah, probably maybe over there. Um, I'll, I'll make myself available. I'd love to just have a conversation. Where are you at? What are your doubts? What are you struggling with? Um, And then my second thing for you is open up the gospel of John, open up your Bible and just be honest with God about your doubts, about your struggles, about whatever it is and begin to read and question and examine and like be skeptical if you want to be skeptical, But seek to understand who Jesus is as he's revealed himself in scripture. And I'm telling you, y'all, I've been going through the gospel of John. I'm telling you, the word of God is powerful. And so if that's you, if you maybe even if you put your faith in Jesus, but you're still struggling with doubts, open up your Bible and begin to cast those things on him. But then pull other people in. Like, we want to support you in this. We're not going to necessarily make you cry and go on your knees and everyone come around you and pray. Like, we, we want to come alongside you, and we want to continue to point you and guide you to our Jesus. So, and for, for everyone who is in this place of, yes, I'm convinced of this, let's wake up to this call, and let's get to work. There is huge potential for joy of fellowship and God wants us to share in that. That's why he's given us the obligation, so that we can share with him in that. So again, we are part of this team, amen? We got the sign. We got the jerseys. So it's who, it's, we do this because it's who we are.